You are watching or listening to episode 116, yes, 115 and a half more than there should have been, episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. On this episode, I already forgot the format, but that's not important because Dave wrote it down, or he better have, or else. But we'll talk about that and more on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. Yes, things working on the first bun press. I'm Carlos. Note the new Instagram has been updated. If you didn't know it before, commit it to fucking memory. That's Devade. And don't forget about the underscores. Yeah, absolutely. And somewhere there is somebody else who has it because I'm Carlos Instagram without the underscores. And we will find him one day. We will find him. Absolutely. And by the way, y'all are welcome. You see how I brought the energy there? I went from absolutely tranquil calmness to vengeful anger. This is the range that I bring to this episode. This is the range that I bring to everything I do in life. It's true. It's true. Indeed. So quick story. Um, The the thing that I found kind of interesting, and I'm just trying to remember um, which direction I wanted to go with this one. So when I was doing a little bit of um, searching as far as trying to find some of the... uh, Now I completely forgot what I was going with, uh, with the story. All right. Do you want to just me do the feature and then we come back to the story? Here, here's what I'd like you to do. I would like you to begin with the feature. Well, wh- was it the feature first or was it going to be one of the other things? It was going to be pretend it's cross country running. Yeah. So that's that's not a feature. That's the you wow. know that's a, that's a state of mind. It's a, it's right. a fact of life. Sure. It's, it's inevitable, like you know, death. Uh, basically, in the same vein. So in that vein of death, uh, Dave's going to bring back the pretentious cross country running report with Davade because he misspelled his fucking name. All right, before Dave says anything, I remember the story. So here's the thing. (laughs) I needed a minute to remember what it was. I had a train of thought and then it got derailed briefly and now it's back, it's back on the track. Okay, so here's the thing. I was, uh, Roberto actually reached out and he wanted some help with shipping something out. Given that I've shipped out my fair share of things. As a matter of fact, I actually purchased from Uline. Are you familiar with Uline? No. So basically they're a company that does a lot of different products and things. Um, you know, packing materials. They've got a variety of different stuff that they sell. Uh, generally to businesses. I've dealt with them a little bit when I was working at Canadian Tire before and when I dealt with other procurement departments and stuff. Like they do, they offer a lot of supplies for different kind of things. Uh, shipping stuff in particular, but also other things as well. But anyway, um, but you can also, you can buy from them as an individual and you can put residential and they will still sell it to you, whatever. But you're buying stuff in bulk. So think like a Costco of certain types of supplies. But um because I've been shipping so much stuff out for the last little while and my intention is to ship out a bunch of stuff, it got annoying because my dad used to go to the dollar store and buy these bubble envelopes. Uh, you know, they used to grab them in the, you know, the three packs, which is okay, but it gets kind of expensive when you're buying three pack, three pack, three pack and stacking them up. And also they don't have supplies all the time. Right. Well, Uline will sell you a case of 250 bubble mailers for about 60 bucks. So you can get them in different sizes and stuff. And even after shipping taxes and everything, it still works out to like 35, less than 40 cents per bubble mailer. So if you are going to ship out a bunch of stuff, under 40 cents per is actually pretty good in terms of price-wise. Because the three packs were two bucks. So you can start doing the math that if you're actually doing under 40 cents versus almost 70 cents, it starts to add up if you do enough bubble mailers. So anyway, 
So given the amount of shit that I've been shipping for a while, Roberto uh, had a package that he wanted to send out to a friend. So, but it was a little bit unusually shipped. It was in a big box and everything. And what he really needed help with above all else was making sure it got there properly. It was the stateside. So he needed to do the custom form. Like he basically ships one thing out once a century. So he really isn't up on it. So he's like, well, can you help me out and tell me what I need to know here? And I go, yeah, you need to fill in the custom form. You need to do this, that, and the other. I helped him pack it up and showed him exactly how to keep it so his stuff doesn't move around because that way his stuff doesn't get broken. And then we made sure it all got shipped off. He goes, okay, thanks. You know, so I'll reimburse you. So he goes that. And then he also goes, so here, I'll, uh, I'll give you some for your trouble. And he gave me a bottle of gold bar whiskey. I don't know if you're familiar with this. No. Uh, it literally looks like a gold bar. So what I'll do is after the show, I'll actually grab the bottle and show it to you. Um, if I can find a thing, I'll actually take, actually, if I can find a picture of it later, I'll show it before we finish the podcast, but it's actually very, the packaging is very cool. I don't know if the whiskey's good yet. I want to try it. I think I'm going to try it tonight, but it's actually a really cool package. So if I can find the picture, I will show it because I think it's worth just seeing the picture. So that was the story I wanted to get to. Now tell us about soccer crap. Okay. I found the picture. So real quick, I'll show it before right. uh, you give your story. Okay. So here it is. So like I said, it's called gold bar whiskey. It'll show it to you. Check that out. It does look impressive. It looks like an actual gold bar. What, and it's uh, actually got like a metallic front. What country is it from? Uh, so I think this is a blended from California. They use a California casks in it. Um, I don't know if it's actually an American whiskey as a whole, but it seems to be. It's a blended whiskey, um, 40, 40% or 80 proof. And so I think it's stateside because if you're using proof, I believe it's American. Um, but yeah, it's kind of I, the big part of it. If you notice, though, it's got the label with like a little number on it and stuff, and it's got like a metallic front facade. Like I said, it looks it looks interesting. At least, if nothing else, from a packaging standpoint, it looks kind of interesting. Yeah, for sure it does. So there you go. So that is what I got as my compensation for giving uh, advice on, of the postal variety. It's about sixty five dollars a bottle at LCBO on our side of things. Well, not bad. So it's a nice, it's a nice little bottle, and uh, I'll give it a try and uh, report back my findings in future episodes. All right. Here we go, Carlos. We're going CONCACAF because I know how much you love the word CONCACAF. Oh, it has been, uh, it, I have been waiting so long for to hit my bingo card and get my CONCACAF square. So you may or may not be aware, this is not where I'm going with this, but it's important to the story uh, that right now, currently in the group, Canada's top of CONCACAF, which is like unheard of, mm. right? They actually beat Mexico uh, in their last game. So there's eight teams in the in the group. Top three automatically make the World Cup when they're done. And the fourth place goes into playoff against the Oceania representative. Okay. And the winner of that goes on. Okay? Mm -hmm. yep. So that's the thing. There's six games left to play, two of which Canada has at home. Now, mm -hmm. interestingly enough, there's a, there's a bunch of things that go into, okay, what are we going to do when we make a decision as to where we're going to play a game? Majority of Canadian players, as, as with U.S. players, and I, I think just those two countries, but play in Europe, okay? So you have people coming back from Europe, you know, changing several time zones, and you've got home and away games. So in the next round of games, which takes place in January, Canada plays in Honduras, then flies back to Canada, plays a home game, and then flies to El Salvador, right, within the span of like a week. So it's a lot of travel. So it's like, okay, where are they going to play the game? Do you know where they decided they're going to play the game, Carlos? Wait. I have the wrong answer, but it's still the right answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. Fight Island! It's, it's the wrong answer, but it is the correct answer. It should have been. 
fight yeah. Do you have any idea how much better the story would have gone? It's like, turns out it was, in fact, on Fighter! Now, this is where watching the YouTube video actually just does it more justice because you get the Carlos rolling back in his chair for that. I have you to get know. the sound effect on the podcast, but you don't get the the actual watching him do that. I have to though. Like it's it's not just for it's not for my benefit. I hear myself exactly the same. It this microphone is sensitive enough that do you want me to destroy your ears? Did you want me to blow out your speakers? I don't think so. That so I do this for you people. I do it and for you. I think they appreciate it. I, I should hope so. Go on. Drum roll, please. It's not really gonna be as exciting as what I said. Continue. Tim Horns Field. Why? Like it's so so we went like we, we had the scale of like the amazing, the spectacular, the insert clip from a moment ago here to to like why why don't you just do it in your backyard? It's about as prestigious. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with prestigious. I think it has a lot more my question is, and I, I think the it must have something to do with the fact of the, the what they think the grass is gonna be like at either uh, BMO Field or Stad Saputo in Montreal it, is that they think the turf is going to be okay and it's in the Eastern Time Zone. That's the only the, thing that makes sense to me. There they, are no they, indoor they facilities. Don't wanna, they don't want to travel to BC and then you know, like from South, like Central America to BC, just way too much. Because the logical place to play a game in the middle of winter in Canada, if you have to, is is the Buffalo Bills take it? Yes. That was my second choice. Like I gave you my first. I gave you my second choice. Also a better option would be I would say BC Place or or Roger Center. Yeah, just do it. Roger Center doesn't really have the soccer setup, so okay. But BC Place is too far, so they're gonna play at Hamilton. And I just thought Carlos, I was like, I need to share that with the podcast, but more importantly, you, because I know how much you love Tim Hortons Field. But hey, at least they have cup holders. That's about the only thing I can say definitively that they have. Do you also know they're playing the uh, Heritage Classic? I guess that's what they call it, right? The the Canadian Winter Classic game in uh, at Tim Hortons Field this year too. Again, why? Why not? I can't, are you sure the Buffalo Bills, you know, parking lot isn't available? <laughs> why not just uh, what's it, New Era Field? Is that what it's called? No, 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 no. Literally, do it in the parking lot. <laughs> just in the parking lot. Well, you can't play a home game for soccer in the U.S. Right when you're playing the U.S., you can't do that. It's That's Buffalo. Canada. It's basically Canada. Basically. They have Tim Hortons too, buddy. They have they Tim do. Hortons too. They do. Just and, they, and you and at the Sabres games. Yeah. It's like we basically annex Buffalo. We just haven't told them yet. Yeah, it's kind of. But like you can keep Tonawanda. You can keep Tonawanda. What? Sunny, sunny scenic Tonawanda? You don't want to take that too, Carlos? They could be a reverse protector. We're protecting ourselves from Tonawanda. <laughs> Fence it up. Fence it up. Oh. Fence it up. All right. Sorry. There's there's something else that I need to talk about. And I forgot about this. So that's what I wanted to say. I want to say on the cross country. So I'm mm. obviously going to be getting tickets to that, but I just want to put that sure. up there. Sure. All right. Sure. Now, January 27th, I think, or 30th, one of the two. Anyway, you ready for this? Because mm. this is more important than anything we're going to talk about. Anything that's been said before, or anything that's going to be said. I've said like five amazing things already, and it's been no. like fit less than 15 minutes. Have you heard the news, the Mississauga news, Carlos? Not the paper, but the actual piece of gigantically important information. No. They're going to build a pier. Oh, yes, yes, yes. 
Yes, yes, yes. They're going to build a pier, which is going to be the longest pier or the biggest pier or both on Lake Ontario in Canada. Basically, they're developing everywhere from like the go train tracks to the lakeshore between like Port Credit and Long Branch. Yes. And this and it's going to but the star attraction will be the pier, Carlos. They're building a pier. Now that is how it's done, Carlos. I don't really care about anything else in Mississauga, but they just stepped up a bunch, in my opinion, strictly because of the pier. Tampa Bay, take note. I feel that it heightened our legitimacy. That's basically, yeah, that's basically. Under the new regime of um, Hazel's protege, she, we have at last achieved her dream of building a pier. Hey, it, was my, it was a dream I didn't know I had until this week. It was that or annexing more, more municipalities. So I guess they went with the pier, which is fair, which is fair. I think that's reasonable, but the annexing's still in play. It's still in play. There's still time. Just saying. Fair enough. Fair enough, Turnbull. Well played. Well played by you. Thank you. Can we now move on? I believe you have some uh, wrestling news and notes you would like to talk about. Yeah, it's not so much news, but let's just talk about the last a little bit here. Um, I'm not going to go all the way back to the pay-per-view because it's already been enough time now between us and them. Are we going to talk about the egg at all? Cleopatra yes we are yes no 100 like no the, right. the, 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 this I is important half in jest, but. this is important uh, no i'm not saying in jest we must discuss the egg this is important this All is right. crucially important i don't even watch the wwe show but when i heard about this shit i'm like i gotta watch a couple of these segments and they were everything i expected yeah nothing good but the point is they were what i expected so wwe goes in and goes through the trouble of bringing vince mcmahon out of you know his lazarus pit to basically participate in this thing and basically elude all through survivor series that you know using cleopatra's egg which is a movie prop from the uh, netflix movie with uh, the rock with the rock yeah, yeah gal gadot and gal ryan reynolds yeah which you know uh, from what i understand not an amazing movie but with those three i'd probably it's, watch it's it for entertaining. less it's entertaining it's entertaining but it is certainly not a good movie. Yeah, yeah. But it's one of those It's one of those that if I was still collecting Blu-rays like I used to, it would be one of those ones that I'd grab for a laugh when it came on discount. I basically would wait for a Black yeah, Friday or a I Boxing Day and grab it. Yeah, I'd grab it cheap. Yeah, sure, I'll watch it. Why not? Um, and I've been told enough times that there's a couple documentaries on Netflix that I need to watch, quote-unquote. And now that we're approaching the month of December, I may activate Netflix just to watch what they've suggested. I usually turn it on for a month here and there and watch a couple of things that I want to watch, get caught up, and then shut it down again. So I may do that. Uh, if I do, then I'll probably check out this movie as part of general stuff that I'm watching while I'm doing other stuff. I'll have it on the screen. Something like that. Um, doesn't need my undivided attention. So it whatever. really doesn't. Yeah. So anyway, uh, bottom line. So it's a cross-promotional thing with this movie. And from what I understand, uh, the, uh, the producers in Netflix paid at least a million dollars for this product placement. At least a million dollars to WWE to do this stupid shit. So anyway, uh, the illusion through it really isn't. No, I said at least. The point is at least they hit seven figures. Whether it's multiple seven figures, most likely, I genuinely don't know. But don't forget, WWE would sell themselves out for a Klondike bar. So if you give them actual money, they'll take it. Um, they won't bring back the ice cream bars. CM Punk had to do that on his own. That's right. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so they're doing this thing throughout the show, and they keep alluding to The Rock, and they make all these references to The Rock. And even in the main event, uh, Roman Reigns did The Rock Bottom. As part of the match i didn't watch survivor series but i got all the reports and i kind of listened in and i caught little clips here and there and yeah they did everything to it basically let everybody think the rock was i think in australia the yeah rock was on the other side the next the next season of young rock yeah 
Yeah, it's a, he's he's on the other side of the world. He wasn't anywhere near close. But you don't need to tell anybody that. You can just like allude to it. And you made big emphasis like that. That was the 25th anniversary of The Rock's debut at Survivor Series. And you're like pushing this whole thing with The Rock and The Rock and The Rock. And you keep and you put clips of The Rock on your YouTube channel and make all these things and let everybody think, well, maybe The Rock will show up. He's in Australia. He will not be showing up. It's like the exact opposite of what AEW did with CM Punk. Yes. And as a result uh, of this, um, they kept this stupid egg thing going through the show. And it bled into the next show, the next episode. And the payoff was Austin Theory. I think it's Theory. Yep. I think that's right. Anyway, so a guy they're trying to promote um, who has had his own interesting questionable past as well. Uh, that's for you, for somebody else to Google. They can Google it on their own time. The point is this. That's a shitty payoff. It's absolutely trash. Because Vince McMahon did the whole theatrical thing on the next show with the stupid thing with the egg. The egg thing was stupid in the first place. It led to a garbage payoff, and which led to a subsequent garbage payoff on the show where you're like, okay, fine. What's the mystery of the stupid egg? Who took the egg? Oh, I was going to try to take a selfie, but, you know, I freaked out and then I took it home. It's like, you're an idiot. A selfie doesn't require you to touch the damn thing. You take, you take the camera and you take the freaking picture. That's it. And then after that, it resulted in him taking a selfie with this event. And Sami Zayn getting screwed out of a title shot for no reason because he was a snitch, even though Vince asked for snitches. I want to know who took the egg. But it's a $100 million egg, Dave. $100 million. No, I actually, believe it or not, I uh, the second part I actually watched live. Why? Mm. I'll never know. Because I was the only part of that Raw episode that I watched. For mm. some reason, I just happened to tune in at that moment. Mm. I yeah. regret that decision. Yeah, that's a, that's a channel changer right there. That's a, what we'll call a channel changer, as in you see that shit and you change that channel. You change it right away and you don't go back. No. Like I, I, I do feel fortunate enough that I had watched Red Notice, so at least I knew what the hell was going on. Mm. Uh, but other than that, I'm like, yeah, what? Yep. Like, this is where WWE Creative is stooped to? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, uh, so I wanted to talk about that first. Now, let me move a let me move ahead a little bit to this past Friday night. So last night. Okay, so they had the SmackDown episode. Uh, and the big thing around it was, okay, will Brock Lesnar be coming back, which is a stupid storyline, who cares? Brock, of course, Brock Lesnar's coming back. Everybody knows that. Don't be an idiot. But the other piece was they're trying to find the number one contender for Roman Reigns. Great. Uh, because he beat, you know, at Survivor Series, he beat Big E, which he was always going to beat him. But as a result, but he beat him clean as a whistle, which is to say Big E is shit, uh, even though he's WWE champion. He's garbage. He sucks compared to Roman, just like everybody else. Which is perfect foreshadowing to what I'm about to say about the SmackDown episode, where Roman Reigns comes out. And by the way, this opening sequence, including talking, including this whole bit, took almost 15 minutes. So if you were watching the show, you spent about 15 minutes watching people do nothing, an entrance, and talking. Literally nothing happened. All right. And in the course of this, uh, Roman Reigns technically spoke truth. He basically said, everyone and i'm paraphrasing he basically said everyone sucks compared to me management is desperate so they decided to do a battle royal whatever let three or four of them win i'll smash them anyway yep sounds about right mm -hmm. which which is basically where wwe is right now roman is the only one who's any good everybody else sucks and there's no legitimate challengers with to which i reply and i retort then why would i watch the show why would I care then to see if clearly, and I agree with you, 
there is no uh, drama to this. There's really no reason to watch, is there? No, because you're just Roman's going to win. Okay. Yeah. Question of how he's going to win, right? He's either going to win cleanly, or the Usos are going to somehow get involved. Which That's technically they don't need down. to, because they technically they don't need to, because he just established from this past pay per view that he can beat the other world champion clean. So why does he need any help anyway? All of it's meaningless. The point is, when nothing means anything, everything is meaningless. It sounds like I just said the same thing. I did, but I phrased it in two different ways for a reason. When nothing matters, everything is meaningless. So what you're saying is we need more Canadian destroyers. Probably, yeah. Mm -hmm. So one more thing about the SmackDown episode. I don't want to talk about the whole episode. I'm, I'm touching on very specific pieces, just to convey my point here. Other piece I want to talk about. Charlotte Flair. Came off the thing with Becky Lynch, they did the whole thing, blah, blah, blah. It really amounted to nothing. Becky Lynch had to cheat to win. Charlotte Flair looked like she was amused more than anything else at the end of the match. I watched the the, the match itself, and it, it was like, it's a fine match. It was okay for what it was. Um, it didn't. It was never going to lead to anything. I, I found it interesting that they tried so hard to lean into, like, oh, this is the drama of it. I said, yeah, it sort of is, but unfortunately, like, nothing good was going to come out of it. Like, if they broke down into a shoot fight, you would have pulled them apart and ended the match anyway. Or they were going to be professionals and you agreed to a finish, which was lame, which you did. And then Charlotte Flair came out and said, yeah, she had to cheat to win. I'm better. Whatever. Moving on. So Tony Storm comes out because she's the one who had been like challenging her. So now she's supposedly aligned to be the number one contender. Now, question. Did you see anything related to the Tony Storm thing on this episode? Catch no. anything about her? No. Allow me to explain it to you. <clears throat> this is important. I'm, I'm going to have some fun with this. So Tony Storm, the previous week, uh, basically challenged uh, Charlotte Flair and alluded to the fact that she's so distracted and so focused on Becky Lynch that that makes her vulnerable and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, she'll get in the way and kind of uh, basically she'll she'll come for her, blah, blah, blah. Charlotte Flair basically kind of, kind of plays into this, but at the same time, she's not like semi-interested in what... So Tony Storm comes in and kind of confronts her. And then it they have like a little scuffle or whatever. And I think, uh, and I think at one point... It's a Thanksgiving show, so basically they've got the, uh, sorry, Black Friday thing, but they basically have a thing going on where they had food around the ring. And as a result of this, it, I didn't watch the whole sequence of this at all, but I just caught the pieces of it. But at one point, Charlotte Flair basically hits Tony Storm in the face with a pie. Okay. Okay? I'm going to pause for a second. She hits Tony Storm in the face with a pie. Now, this is supposed to be your your next challenger for her title that you're supposed they're supposed to view as a threat. How are we doing so far? Okay. I mean, I get it. Now, you're the baby face here. You just got hit in the face with a pie. Your opponent is in front of you. What do you do next? Hit your opponent. Yes. That would make sense, would it not? It would. You know what? You know what you could do instead, though? You could stand there like an idiot. Charlotte Flair could start walking away like she's going to leave and then go, ah, I changed my mind. She comes back. She basically challenges Tony Storm to come towards her. She comes towards her slowly, and it results in her getting hit in the face with a pie a second time. A second pie. And then she stands there like an idiot, looking, looking forward, while Charlotte Flair basically laughs, walking all the way up the ramp. This is your next challenger. Are you ready? Are you ready to buy this match, Dave? No, I'm not ready to buy anything. This like, is how you're... Here's the thing. Like, realistically, in my mind, from what I'm watching of WWE, right? Unless, you want, unless you're someone who ha really specifically wants to see a certain individual wrestle live, right? What is the hell's the point? Yep. 
because at this point they've released, and I, I checked this number, they've actually released 82 people this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they've released a ton of talent, some better than others, some, you know, naming variety. Uh, but basically you have a lot of people who in my mind are overexposed. Right. Uh, so it's not like, you know what I mean? Like is Roman Reigns good? Of course he's Roman Reigns is good, but I've seen a lot of Roman Reigns. You know what I mean? And I don't have a huge desire to see Roman Reigns live. So what, why do I want to invest any money in this? Yeah. Now the, here's the thing. The reason I chose these two specific things to touch on for this show is that they both fell into almost the identical same situation. You've got the champion who's generally dominant around with the people around them, or super dominant in, in both cases, really, um, and both taking none of their opponents seriously. And they have no reason to, because why would they? And then they act as such, but then the set opponents also give you no reason to take them seriously. The reason why I paused after the first pie and asked you that question is because you didn't see the segment. So you didn't know what was going to happen next. Right. So I asked you what would make sense. And it was the wrong answer. The, the actual answer was that she stood there like an idiot, basically set herself up for to get hit with the second pie, and then still did nothing. Why should I deem you a threat? You're not a threat. But they're going to try after the fact to try to... Charlotte Flair is Ric Flair's daughter. Ric Flair, for many years, was champion, both in the NWA and WCW. Every feud he ever did, they, there was a simple formula. Ric Flair thought he was the best. And he would find ways to cheat to win and do all that. And he would keep prancing around and tell and remind everybody how great he is because blah, blah, blah. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. But here's the difference. Every single one of those feuds, the opponent needs to get one up on them a couple of times along the way to sell you on the possibility that they are a threat to potentially win and take this title. And sell Every- the match too. Yeah, every single time, it didn't matter. You would find a way to say, oh, on a given night, if things fall right, this person has the capability to beat Ric Flair and take his title. It's got a, it's got a feel, and Ric Flair has to look like he feels at least somewhat threatened at some point during this feud. Preferably the sooner the better, but nonetheless, he will also get sneak attacks. and he'll, like. But he's doing all this because he deems them to be a threat. Therefore, he tries to take them out early, tries to do this, that, and the other thing, gets the four horsemen involved. The point is, he is treating them like some kind of... Charlotte Flair was there all by herself and hit her in the face with pies twice and then walked away laughing. Roman Reigns says, eh, let three or four of them win. I'll beat them anyway. These are your two champions. Your two top champions on the show. They're both heels, and they realize this competition's trash. Who cares? I think Charlotte wants out. Oh, she definitely does. But I don't think she's going to get out. Like, they basically, the fact that they've still got her with the title is that, yeah, like, you're not going anywhere till the end of this contract. So it's like, the point is this. I really don't think Charlotte Flair is going to be in a position to go anywhere. I think she's in a position where she kind of doesn't care. Because if you think about it, she's actually doing the company a disservice, really. Because by being in that dominant position, none of the other, Tony Storm just looked like an idiot. You let everybody watch or be weak and not react or do anything. So yeah. she's she's going to be, and then she's going to lose. She's not going to win. And even if she did, let's pretend for some reason you go, oh yeah, now you do, do, do a match and then Tony Storm becomes the champion. What would lead you to believe she's a credible champion? Nikki Cross was, became a champion. She was dressed up like an idiotic superhero. Still is. You can't take him seriously. 
the most recent thing before they lost the tag, women's tag team championships, she was teamed up with Rhea Ripley. Mm -hmm. Nikki Cross was deemed to be the weak link on the team. She was the most recent champion on that team. Part of them being tag team champions, she actually had the belt. So did Rhea Ripley, but she hasn't had an illustrious run. But the point is, Rhea Ripley is Rhea Ripley's bigger. So Nikki Storm is, the, sorry, Nikki Cross is the smaller one. Therefore, she's the weak link. She was a champion. What do you mean, Nikki Ash, Carlos? Whatever. The point is, she was the champion more recently. But she's dressed up like an idiotic superhero standing there like a moron. She's the same one who insanity was nuts and was a threat multiple times to potentially win a championship in NXT. And now she's an idiotic superhero. And the weak link of the of a tag team that lost to the great illustrious Carmella, who loses like every match, and Queen Zelina, who until recently lost every match. That's who won the tag team championships, the women's tag team championships. By the way, there are no other women's tag teams, so they're going to have to have rematches, a lot of rematches. Are you not entertained? Not really. And I actually watched some of that match too. Yeah, and it was trash match. Like it wasn't even a good match. There's nothing. There's there's no redeeming qualities. Is the point I'm trying to get across here. There was nothing good here. All these things I just said are bad. But you know what was better than I thought it was going to be, Carlos? CM Punk versus QT Marshall. That actually was actually half decent. Well, QT Marshall is a veteran, and CM Punk is a veteran, and they know how to work. Look. The, it's, it was a holdover just to get the job done and get him another match. But here's the thing. AEW at least knows. So like, look, this is a throwaway match. Everybody knows who's going to win. However, both guys are professional. QT Marshall knows how to do his job. He, he was like, nope, I'll do what I can to make this work. And I'll do what I can to make it look good. And we'll get the result we're looking for. And we all go home and do something else next week. So th these people at least are willing to go their role. Now, let me flip over to the AEW. I, need, I, I needed to make fun of WWE first. It's important. Now, let me flip over to Debbie quickly. I can see that there is a little bit of frustration because on Rampage, uh, they did the... Oh, but quickly, actually, before I get to that. Like last do... night Rampage, are we talking about? Yeah, last night Rampage. Okay. So I'll, I'll tell you what happened with it, but I'll get to it in two seconds. Um, one thing that's been kind of fun for me is I've been enjoying the Brian Danielson heel turn. It's like not subtle in the least, but it's very entertaining. And the little pokes and prods at little things here and there, I, I've been enjoying it. I've been having some fun with it. Um, I did like though when he did in the promo that he was like, you know, Hangman Page. He was saying Hangman Page was being lazy after winning the championship. He was like, after I won the championship at WrestleMania, and the crowd is like, boo, boo this man. He's like, I go ahead to work the next night and defended the championship the next night, which is true. He won at WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans and then had a match on Monday Night Raw. These are true, but it's fun because uh, AEW is at least willing to acknowledge the, that these people had careers. And that, and that other promotions exist yeah well the thing is it's funny because people complain about this but it's like so do you want me to pretend like the last seven or eight years didn't exist where was brian danis in the last seven or eight years then yeah because he was a multi-time world champion in that other company i can't act he literally had a high profile feud with roman reigns and edge they had a triple threat match that was actually quite good but here's the thing i can't pretend it didn't happen yeah. I don't need to reference it in every promo and everything. They haven't been doing that. They've used it pretty judiciously. But it, use it when it makes sense. Because mm -hmm. the guy was there. He did a thing. Acknowledge it. Because otherwise, like, okay, so what's your credibility? Me. Yeah. But that's the thing. Like, you have to you have to acknowledge what occurred. Otherwise, you're saying the, fan, the people watching are idiots. It's like, you watched the other show. You know that he did the thing. So don't pretend he didn't. Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense. So I've been happy with that. It's been going well. Um, that'll be an interesting feud going forward and we'll see how it goes with that. Now, flipping over to the other side. 
Um, Britt Baker's been in a weird holding pattern and we've talked about it. And it's been interesting because I've talked about in the past how you've got the feuds and things that go at different speeds. The collision course, I believe, is still with Under Rosa. However, right now, the path is still... Yeah, because it's... Okay, so let's talk about... I'm interested in this and where you're going, okay? But I'm not 100% convinced anymore. Yeah, I'm a a 1,000% convinced. I'm even more convinced than I was before. Because here's the thing. Thunder Rosa's not winning that tournament. Ruby Soho's going to win, right? What's that? Ruby Soho's going to win? I believe so, yeah. But I think she's the proper champion for that right now. Because I think that's where it needs to be. Because Thunder Rosa is the... So, AW has a bit of the opposite problem. Right now, too many people are tied up in the tournament or tied up in an existing feud. Because So Britt Baker's been kind of like having to, they've been basically finding opponents that are good for a cup, for a match or two or a week or two, just kind of to keep her busy. It keeps her reign going because right now Sheeta is tied up with Serena Deeb. Sheeta would be a viable you know person to come in and do a little mini feud with her, but she's busy. Serena Deeb is busy with her. So like they're out. Ruby Soho, I think, probably could best be used to have that TBS championship. So it would probably make more sense for her to have that. And there you go. There's your mid-card title, and then they can have feuds based off that. So they're busy. Technically, right now, as it currently stands, Jade is still in the tournament. She's occupied. Um, uh, Chris Statlander still in the tournament. She's occupied. So they're going to finalize all that. But Chris Statlander is in a position. She already did a match with Britt Baker. Be too soon to go back to that. She, there's no reason for her to be there. Um and jade is in no position she's too green she should probably be feuding for that tbs title you know she can do a thing with ruby soho or whatever that would make sense so like there's these different ones that are like not quite ready yet now the division i think will get more interesting now that they've got those roster cuts um and ember moon could be very interesting Atigan knox could be very interesting because they're both experienced have international experience and have some name recognition value coming off their recent WWE run and uh, Ember Moon in particular has a very interesting moveset that is different from a lot of the other females they've got on the roster. So it would give some more depth to that, and you could either bolster the mid-card or you could bolster the championship t- section. Thunder Rosa is the one who's the most ready because she gets the strongest reaction. So she's the best one in a position to be like, okay, and then you can set up a bunch of feuds with her and a variety of different opponents. So, But you're not going to take it off Britt Baker yet because you've still got a couple of those uh, made-for-TV specials, The Battle of the Bells, Winter is Coming, like the special theme shows leading into next year. And then you've got, and then starting it towards the end of the year, and basically, you could basically do a thing, uh, and I heard somebody pitch it, and I think it makes sense. You could basically do a thing where you find a way to have somebody in Britt Baker's entourage or Britt Baker herself cost Thunder Rosa the tournament match, therefore leading to a feud with them. And she could feud a little bit with Jamie Hayter and do all that, leading to them having a match, I think in the January pay-per-view, I want to say there's a January one, I think. I think so too. So you do that, but then you have a non-conclusive finish. You have something that results in them not concluding it and then roll it into the March one. And then that's where you coronate Thunder Rosa. And then you had a nice long run, good solid. And then Thunder Rosa takes the baton and goes forward. Because then you're, that's your next one. And in the meantime, you've been working on the uh, TBS championship over there. They're doing their thing, and now they've established those feuds going on. That's her real feud. The problem is biting the time in between. It's like you want her to have a match, and this is where I want to have a little discussion with you. All right. There's a lot of avenues that you can do to get to this. So what they ended up doing is they did – they actually took advantage of an error. They took advantage of a mistake. Uh, there was a battle royal a couple months ago. And Riho was eliminated from the Battle Royal, even though she didn't go over the top rope. Mm-hmm. She actually went over on the middle ropes. Yeah, they, and they, they talked about that on Dynamite on Wednesday. Yeah, and they used it as a justification to have, you know, this match. Now, 
Makes sense. I, uh, I've heard a lot of different uh, conversation about this. AEW doesn't do this very often, which is good. Um, so I'm willing to forgive it. I'm not the biggest fan of having the champion lose to get to then have a number one contender, then get a title shot. Because I feel like it's redundant. If you beat the champion, you should win the title. It seems kind of silly to do it. My preference would have been to do maybe a tag team thing where you where maybe they get into a bit of a scuffle and that in turn leads to saying like, you know what? We have this thing that happened and you guys have had a bit of a scuffle. Let's have a title match at this TV thing. Yeah. You can still get them in the same avenue and give them a little bit of additional justification. So you can justify Riho having a number one contenders thing because of what happened. Plus the two of them get into a bit of a scuffle or a bit of an issue during that match. And there you go. Give them a reason to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Because doing it this way, yes, it does get us to the second match. We get the result. It's not like Britt Baker has been losing on TV all the time. She hasn't. For the most part, she's been fairly well protected as champion, which has been good. Um, it's still a bit of an awkward place to put her, though. And it's still biding time. You're still basically being like, okay, so she'll get a title shot. And then we're waiting for the tournament to finish so that all these women are suddenly available to do these other things and branch off into these other things. It's a bit of a holding pattern. Yeah. Now, that's one way you could do it. Another way you could have done it would have been to uh, basically do a title uh, a title eliminator with a couple of other top contenders who were available at the time. Um, what would your preference have been to get to this result? You know it's a stopover. You know it's a, you know somebody that's in place to just uh, bide some time. But what would your preference have been to get us to the match? To the, to, sorry, to which match? The, the so in this case, we needed, in this case, we needed a placeover match. Riho, apparently, from reports, was very upset with, unfortunately, the way it went down. But obviously, they smoothed it over and said, hey, don't worry about it. We'll figure out something down the road. They came up with the justification to do this. Great. <clears throat> but if you want to do a Riho Britt Baker match, there's nothing wrong with that. My point is, what method would you have preferred to get them to that place? If you decided you're going to have this match to be a little stopover, Riho's not going to win it, but you want to do it, how do you want to justify doing it to get to the match? In, in as opposed to what they did with the her coming on correct the thing. i don't yeah. i don't mind what they did okay like in terms of saying hey like this happened in the in the you know like no the for sure but the, thing is, but, the thing, but the thing is that justification was used to give her a match with the champion where she has to beat the champion yeah to so get another I'm match with the champion is, what i'm saying is if they had used that just to go straight to the championship match sure I've been okay with that as a, as a justification yeah. or, um, you know, you could build it or, so I would say either do that or have, you know, a couple of vignettes or in like, so promos or matches where Britt Baker's facing other people for whatever reasons and have Riho interrupt that you know, repeatedly, I don't know how many times that number would be in my head mm -hmm. right now, but where she's like, this happened, I want a title shot, mm -hmm. you know, until she, and until it's kind of like enough is enough, fine, you get your title shot. Yeah. And, and I think that, I think that would have been another approach you could do. I would, one of the two ways, you either go directly into it based on the evidence, you video evidence where she obviously did not go over the top rope. Yep. One or, you know, build it a little bit through maybe some promos first where you know it's one of those moments where in the heat of the moment you're like fine you want a title shot you've got a title shot and then it's like oh shit, did i just say that mm -hmm. so you can't go back on it now you know mm -hmm. what i mean 
No, that's fair. I think it's reasonable. Uh, that's I would have gone. I think one of one of two those two ways would have worked for me. No, that's fair. I think that, and I think that's fine. I think as long as you get a little bit. Of, I, I like I said, I'll give them a I'll give them a mea culpa. I'll give them a mulligan on that because they rarely do it. So it's, it's don't make a habit out of it. But um, yeah. in this no, case, like the, the the match to get to the match. Yeah, no, I'm I'm not too big on that. Yeah, that's a trope that I could see being left alone that's more of a wbe thing let them do that crap because i've never found it to be an effective means to get it um you've got plenty of logic you got rankings you got different things you can be doing to create justification for these people to get title shots use those other things at your disposal as mechanisms to further the story i think that's uh those are fair ways to do it so that's fine um I think for the most part, that's kind of the big ones that I'm thinking about. I'm still interested in the Brian Danielson thing. I want to see how that one plays out. I want to see the end of the tournament, see who they actually end up crowning. I think Ruby Soho makes the most sense for the reasons I outlined. Some of the other stories are kind of floating a little bit. Um, we'll have to see what happens with that. Yeah, the only other thing is um, that I'm thinking about a little bit is that I'll be interested to see what, if anything, they do with the Jamie Hayter thing. Because it amused me, uh, it's how, I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I talk about the different speeds. The Wardlow-MJF breakup will happen, but they have done a very good job slow burning it, doing the various things where Wardlow's had these little frustrations with MJF over time. You know, MJF, that um, that promo with CM Punk was chef's yeah. kiss. Yeah, and it's, it's good when the two guys are perfectly capable and willing to do it. And by the way, they went for 20 minutes and the crowd was into it and they hit the right references. Being a less famous Miz, that was, you, the best. You, that was the best line in the whole thing. Yeah, the crowd knows. Like, the crowd, you, you've got a smart crowd. Just play with it. Like, they're going to know your references. So hit, hit with the references that you're going to hit with and just do it. It's like the WrestleMania line. That's why I said, like, for this audience, hitting that line is going to work. Yeah. For sure. And you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was, it was great. And, and it was great because it hit, like you said, it hit all the right buttons. And they did it in Chicago, which is a very good place to do it with CM Punk there and yeah, it made sure. a lot of sense with CM Punk there. Now, um, like I said, the Wardlow MJF thing has been good. That's still coming down the road. I still see the seeds being planted, which has been good, but I laughed because, um, now by contrast, um, they, they had one mishap. Jamie Hayter got super kicked by Brent Baker and all of a sudden she's really mad and storms off. And I'm like, guys, you can't go like zero to 120. <laughs> like that was maybe a little too quick, guys. You gotta, you gotta have a little bit of dissension built into it. Because um, on Rampage, she kind of came with Britt Baker a little bit late. It was a little bit slow in the promo right after that. She wasn't present for it. And then she kind of came back. So she did help Britt Baker. But she was kind of slow in doing it. She's never done the DMD thing during the promos and all that. So that's been there. That that was but, another good. Sorry, that was another good moment because it was stupid and it was like the the Thanksgiving promo with um, Tony Schiavone. Tony, yeah. she's just like, we're not doing the DMD. I I I enjoyed that moment. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like Britt Baker, part of the reason that I'm okay with Britt, I want the match to get there, but I'm very happy to have Britt Baker as the champion. Because she has been excellent on the microphone. She's been excellent on the promos. The matches have been increasingly solid. Like, there was a while there where the matches were kind of okay. She's done very well. Even this Riho match was a solid match. Ending was a little whatever. But again, it was a means to an end. You knew that she, Riho was going to win this. The good thing is that the announcers did state, Britt Baker has never actually successfully beaten Riho in a singles match. 
Okay. So they've had a couple of different matches and because Riho, remember, was the first champion. So Britt Baker was there and she was a contender early on and she was still working on her gimmick and getting to that point, but she has never beaten Riho. So this is where history works in your favor. It's like, for whatever reason, Riho has Britt Baker's number and now they're going to have another match for the title. This is where I expect Britt Baker will beat her and that'll be her, her big win. So Riho winning this is not completely out of left field. It's like, actually, Riho's had a lot of success against Britt Baker in a one-on-one situation. Yeah. So like I said, we can we can make that work. I just think the Jamie Hader thing is like, uh, cool your Jets guys. If you the the muscle always eventually leaves the you know the person, but it's like you gotta you gotta give them a little more reason than one super kick mishap <laughs> in one match when they were helping her win matches leading to that point. It's like y'all were a good team about until about three seconds ago where you had one miscommunication. You can't go zero to 60. And she also has not treated Jamie Hayter badly. So it's like, you don't really have quite the justification built up that Wardlow has. Uh, Wardlow has a lot more ammunition to throw back at MJF for turning on him eventually. That makes a lot of sense because they build towards it. Sounds fair? For sure. 100%. Cool. Anything else, uh, AEW, that has been catching your eye in the episodes you have been watching? No, uh, I, I can't say that it does. I mean, obviously, this build up with the other, I go, maybe I guess so. Because I just said no and now I'm saying yes. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the build up to like a hopefully prolonged MJF CM Punk feud would mm-hmm. be would be great. Um, I like this sort of because you know what's going to happen eventually uh, Brian Danielson versus uh, Adam Page. Mm-hmm. But I like this sort of him just mowing through the dark order, if you will, to get there. Mm hmm. You know, it's kind of a build up to that and get him more matches and obviously expose, you know, which is, which I like too. And then, yeah, I'm interested obviously to see, because I, I think it's going to go down the same way you do. I think that it, the it's going to be a Thunder Rosa versus Ruby Soho in the championship for the TBS championship. And I think Ruby Soho is going to win. Yeah. Uh, but I, I am interested in how that ultimately plays out mm-hmm. as well. So those would be the three things that I sort of have my eye on. Yeah, that's been good. So you're saying, so you're saying that AEW needs more eggs. Yes. Basically, so WB needs. I I didn't think I could say it any more plainly than that. Mm -hmm. But WB needs more Canadian destroyers. AEW needs more eggs with no payoff. Bad movie tie-ins, and your heel champion never gets their comeuppance. Yeah, and all the challengers suck. That's important. It's important that all the challengers suck. Has anybody noticed that all the that all the contenders that um, either Britt Baker or you know Kenny Omega previously or Hangman Page is going to face? You ever notice all the contenders all have winning records? Yeah, J- just saying. Even even Riho, who people aren't really thinking about, was like nine or two in her last eleven matches. So like everybody seems to have a little bit of momentum. Isn't it weird that they all seem to have some at least some momentum going into this thing? And then she beat the champion and she's had great success again. Look, even for a throwaway mini feud. Okay, yeah, I can see her winning a match here. We we have some justification. Britt Baker didn't hit her in the face with a pie. Can you believe she didn't hit her in the face with a pie? I can't, you know. Speaking of speaking of that, the other Pies? thing I'd like to see, there's a few people I'd like to see more of too. Big Swole? No, not big. Sure. <laughs> um, I would like to see. Um, I can't think of the guy. Uh, Ricky Starks. I'd like to see him some more. Ricky Starks. I really think he's injured. Like he's been on commentary and stuff. Like he's I'm wondering be, because he's still parading around with the FTW champion, but I haven't seen him in a match in a while. I'm uh, wondering if he still got some injury troubles. And Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah, I think it would be good. 
Uh, I'd also I'd like, like to see. see I like to see more, especially Hobbs, but I'd like to see more of them. Uh, mm. You know, because I think you've got a. I mean, you, again, you have lots of people, and obviously, yes, you're going to use dark and you're going to use elevation to, you know, build people up and, and do that as well. Mm. Um, and hopefully, eventually, um, rampage goes to two hours, and then you've got more of that as well. Mm-hmm. But but just like there's a lot of you know the same people on TV every week, which is fine because I like the people that are there. But I'd like to see you know because some of the people that I don't like aren't there anymore, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it, it'd be nice to see you know there's a few people that I'd like to see more of. Sure. Even Thunder Rosa, I'd like to see more of. But at least she's in the tournament, so you know you're going to see more. Of her. Yeah, she's right now. She's still in the mix. She's involved, and she's got something to. The the important thing, she's got something to do. I want to see. I want to see some more of the Sheeta Serena Deeb feud. I think that'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I want to. I want to see a little Brian Cage appearance here and there. I think uh, we need to get some Brian Cage happening. But he's got to have something specific to do. I think you have to figure out what you want to do with him. Maybe it would be good. I think Brian Cage probably needs to go heel. You know what would be kind of fun? And they've done this now with the Open Challenge with the TNT Championship. Uh, I think Sammy Guevara is now going to be facing off against Tony Nese in the next one, which is going to be a fun match. That's going to be a fun match. They're, both those guys are good. I'd like to see Brian Cage come back and maybe challenge because they've done the gimmick where Sammy Guevara has an injured ribs and everybody's kind of taking advantage of it. I'd like to see him get softened up by Tony Nese, but maybe Sammy Guevara pulls it out. And then Brian Cage comes back and like power bombs him into the uh, canvas. And then just becomes a heel and then says, yeah, I want to face you for the TNT championship and then takes it from a broken Sammy Guevara. I know they like to have that champion hold it for a little while longer, but if he's selling an injury because he's been selling this rib injury for a while, it could be a good way to reintroduce Brian Cage and have him be champion for a little bit. Yeah, sure. And then at least it gives them something to do. They can have a little mini feud, Sammy Guevara and Brian Cage. Those would be some fun matches. Uh, and then you can reincorporate some other folks into the mini feuds after that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like you got to just find, you've got the tools not at your disposal. I'd like to see you take advantage of it and use some of these folks in these. The TNT Championship is perfect for a Brian Cage. It's like built for a Brian Cage. And a mini feud with Sammy Guevara, that'd be fun. I think people would enjoy it. The match would be fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I think there's some opportunities. You just got to use what you got. Sounds good. Okay, so we cover all that. Uh, I think that's good for now. So are you ready ready for it then, Carl? Yes. What was the last one? All right. It is time for the return of, triumphant or not, we'll see. But it's time for the return of, Dave made a list, Carlos makes shit up. I'm ready. All right. So this time I I, I was thinking about this and I was like, I want to bring this back, but I want to have something good. We're getting into Christmas. So I was thinking, you know, people drink a lot. So here you go, Carlos. Top three types of beer. Types of beer? Yeah. So I will explain mine and then we go. Then I, the first two were easy. The third one was like, eh, I don't know. Because obviously I like a lot of different kinds of beer. But the first type of beer for me is a lager. Uh, that's that's my favorite type of beer to drink. And the, the other thing I like about lager is you can do so much with it. There's a lot of variety uh, within them. Are you opening a beer right now? Go on. <laughs> so I would say that's for sure number one because you can, you know you can have like a you know especially like around Halloween you get the pumpkin lagers in October sure. or you know you just your easy drinking lager for the summer or mm-hmm. there's no time of year that I I don't like a lager right any time of year I'm it's good whereas some of the other beers you know like an IPA I generally would rather have in the summer or something that's a little more hoppy I'd rather have in the summer mm-hmm. versus like a darker beer then I'd rather it's more of a winter beer for me it just is for whatever reason. So that would be, I would say, is my number one. 
Uh, number two would be a Pilsner. Uh, and I like the Ger the German style Pilsners, especially. Uh, I like the Czech ones too, like the, what's it? Uh, Kozel and uh, Pilsner Raquel. Those From ones. now on, if you're going to make reference to it, I need you to say it correctly. The Germans. Okay. It doesn't matter what the context is. The Germans. Fair enough. Fair enough. Continue. Uh, yeah, but any kind of those like, uh, you know, like, like the Munich breweries, right? Which have their, which have their pilsners or whatever. I, I, that's a that's a, another good sort of year round beer that works anytime. Uh, and then I, I was hard pressed to think of like what would be the third one that I would really say, um, because it's kind of a, after those two, it's a real big drop off in terms of like what I want repeatedly. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I was thinking, okay, is like session ale, IPA, like pale lager, blonde, and I was like, all right, you know what I'm gonna go with because I like I don't like a lot of them. But I like to try the different ones every once in a while because of the different flavors. So I'm going to go with the sour, uh, which the first time I ever had one, I absolutely hated it. I thought it was disgusting. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's something that has totally grown on me. Uh, mm -hmm. And again, it would not be, it's not my first choice. Obviously, I have two others ahead of it. But I do enjoy the complexity and the differences and the, the level of sourness uh, that a variety of those beers have. Mm -hmm. So number three for me is a sour. Carlos, what say you? IPA, I don't mind it any time. That's what I've got right here. Bone shaker. Nice. Uh, good yeah. Uh, I don't mind it because it's just got a little bit. It's got the right flavor for it. It didn't used to be the case. I was more lager first, uh, but I'll say the IPA has kind of taken it this, at this point because I like having it whenever. Uh, lager for me will still be good for a second place for that. Um, third, close by, I would say, is a lot of the stouts. Not all of them, but uh, there are some of them that are a little bit heavier. Uh, you've got like the the really heavy Russian stout. I've had some really good ones that have done that I've seen done very well. Um, but it's one of those things. I don't venture too far into a lot of the craft beers anymore. Uh, once I find a couple that work for me, uh, I usually stick with them pretty well. But and I'll have long runs while I have them. But I'll try some here and there. I do part of the um, part of doing business with Amsterdam is that you can have uh, their seasonal different seasonal beers. So they'll have some of those. So I'll usually grab a six pack of that to give it a try. And uh, they'll come up with a lot of interesting stuff that is usually kind of fun for the season. So it's one of those ones where it's like, if they've got something cool, it's kind of, it's great to try it just for a little variety. But uh, the Bone Shaker has been a winner, uh, usually in this household, when I uh, when I grab the, the cases. Because it usually is more economical just to go get the case. And it's free delivery and done. There you go. Those are the three that I go with. Also, perfect time to crack one up. Indeed. All right, Carlos, that brings a turn of this segment. Dave made a list. Carlos makes shit up. Good times. Cool. Anything else that left on the, the little itinerary? That is it, my friend. Excellent. Another successful episode. David forgot to spell his name, David. But uh, outside of that, I think uh, it'll be interesting. We've got the holidays coming up. Uh, December. Um, I think it's going to be sporadic with the episodes. We'll see. We'll figure it out uh, as we go along. I know that on my live streams on my channel, I have decided that I'm going to do a Christmas Eve and a New Year's Eve live stream. Ooh. Mm-hmm. La-ti-da. Well, they they both fall on Friday, so it works for me. And the Christmas Eve one's easy because I'll probably be at the house and uh, I know my laptop can handle it because I've tried it. So uh, basically, I just set up in the office and we'll just chill. Christmas is kind of low-key at my house um, because... All adults in the house, so it's not like there's a ton of presents going around. There's a couple of things here and there, but 
mostly cards and a couple of gift cards and stuff like that. It's nothing crazy. Yeah. But it means up until midnight, everybody's just kind of hanging around after dinner. And it's like, uh, basically, it's my parents watching Netflix, my brother watching YouTube. And it's like, I'd be watching YouTube. Why don't I just make YouTube? Ooh. I know. 4D chess, Dave. Why just watch YouTube when you can make YouTube? There you go. And I'll leave you with this. I want you to think this thought. All right. And I'm going to work out what the final figures are, but I'm going to give you the current to date estimate based on a lot of calculations I've done. I have made 165 pieces of content on my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. including live streams, videos, all the above. 165. Would you care to guess? Now, you know the live streams run long. You know they run real long. I do. Would you care to guess what the total runtime, because I created a playlist with this and added up the runtime with it, because uh, there's a internet site that you can use and put a playlist and see what the runtime is on the playlist. So I took all my 2021 videos from my channel and put them on this playlist. Would you care to guess what the full runtime is on my 2021 playlist thus far with about a month left in the year? I don't know, like a week? 11 days in seven hours. If you press play, we're pushing two weeks and wow. you will not repeat an episode. Think That's about impressive. it. impressive. I don't know if it's a good impressive or a bad impressive, but it's impressive. It means terror and fear, Dave. Everyone should fear and terror my content making ways. Yes, they should. They really should. They should also hashtag sponsor you. Yes. And by the way, I was talking with a couple of folks after we finished the last live stream. That doesn't even count this shit. The time I'm talking to you, I'm making more content on the YouTubes. And I'm not even counting that. Yeah. Think about it. It's a lot of time. It really is. Making content. It's because but I'm a giver. You're giving the people what they want, Carlos. Because I'm a giver. I give and give and give. Hashtag sponsor us, you selfish bastards. Keep giving and giving. What do you give? Sponsorship. The gift that keeps on giving. No eggs, though. Don't eat them. That's fair. Pass well, I think that's eggs. a great way to wrap things up, Carlos. Indeed. Indeed. I just wanted you all to think about that, and now you can be like, how much time? Even if you 2x speed it, it's still a lot of time. It Real is. long time. It's still a week. Mm-hmm. Like, of your life that you will not get back. Think about it. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't want to. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that'll be it for us. We'll be back in the next episode. We'll figure out some random shit to talk about. As usual bit. Usual bit. But that'll be it, and then we'll go from there. All right, that's it for episode 116. Spot hashtag sponsors. You can check it out on YouTube, on the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast YouTube channel. Also, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, whatever other podcasty things that you do. If you check out the YouTube version, hit the like button. Please Subscribe do. to the channel. If you check out one of the audio versions of it, leave polite comments we like polite comments constructive criticism is welcome and if you wish to curse david for not knowing how to spell his name that's legit whatever yeah. whatever works for you guys yeah. anyway that's it for us we'll catch you in the next one